Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, everybody, back to Across the Romaverse here at Chiesa di Toti. This is episode seven. We have a special episode tonight. This is Steve hosting. I'm flying solo from the site tonight, but I have a special guest tonight. It's Dave from Milan Club Philadelphia. He's the founder and president, and he's our first guest. So I'm uh, pleased to present our first actual guest on the show. So, Dave, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, Steve. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm honored to be your first guest. It's great to have you. For those of you that don't know, David is actually now my uh, cousin-in-law, so to speak. My wife and I got married last year, and David is her first cousin, so it's, he is family now, and I have to deal with the Milan fan and the family. I'm sure he wasn't too happy to welcome a Roma fan, but I guess it's better than my father-in-law, who's an Inter fan, so I guess he could deal with Roma. But um, So we're here to talk a little bit about Milan, so we Romanisti could get a better understanding of the team, how it's going for them, and to preview Monday's big match with top of the table Milan. I'm sure that's a welcome sound for Dave. Milan hasn't been up there for a while. So we'll just start with a quick recap of today's Europa League results. Neither of us really got to watch the matches live here on the East Coast. Um, it was a bit early during the workday, and getting those Europa League matches uh, isn't so easy these days with CBS taking over and streaming everything. So Roma pulled out a 2-1 victory up in Bern in Switzerland against Young Boys. Um, from everything I've read and heard and seen, it was not a pretty result. Uh, Paulo Fonseca decided to rest most of Roma's starters, uh, really with only Kambula and Pedro, the regular starters, uh, starting this one. And it took Roma 41 minutes to get a shot on goal. Uh, it was an early penalty that Cristante gave away at the top of the box that gave Young Boys an early lead within the first 15 minutes. Roma managed to bounce back in the second half behind uh, goals from Bruno Perez and Max Cambula. The game really changed when Fonseca was able to cover up his mistakes in the lineup by bringing on Jekyll, uh, Mkhitaryan, and Vertu in around the 60th minute. And from there, Roma turned it around. Jekyll actually assisted the Perez goal. And uh, Mkhitaryan put a, a cross on a plate for Cambula to head home the winner. So the substitutions, you know, paid off for Roma. One thing I mentioned last episode with Sean was the beauty of the five sub rule now allows you to have a lot of turnover in a game like this and cover it up with subs, you know, that normally start. And uh, not to brag, but I was actually right this time. Um, Milan also won their match. They won 3-1 against Celtic. Uh, David, did you catch any of the match? I was able to catch maybe the last uh, 15, 20 minutes of it, uh, basically just when the substitutions were happening. And from everything that I'd read and kind of the, the reaction I saw on social media, 
uh, I heard that we had a good first half. Uh, second half started a little bit sluggish, but then I think there were some some good substitutions that came in and got that third goal against uh, against Celtic for the win. And Milan, they got their goals from Krunich, Diaz, and new signing. How do you pronounce his name? Jens Peter Hogg. I think that's right. Yeah, something like that. I, I haven't heard one person pronounce it correctly yet, so we'll figure it out. So Milan did go with the majority of their starters for this one. Uh, players like Ibrahimovic, Kessi, Tonali. Uh, Romagnoli, Kyer, Donnarumma, and Teo Hernandez all started. So m- majority of the starting 11 for Milan. So that, that will be a talking point later on. And when we preview the match, definitely the two clubs approach these matches differently, but both got the results. Um, it was a good week for Serie A teams in general, as uh, in the seven matches between Champions League and Europa League, Serie A teams won five matches, drew one, and lost one. Napoli being the only loser today, won nothing to, I believe it was AZ Alkmaar in their opening fixture in the Europa League. But uh, Lazio, Juve, and Atalanta won in the Champions League. Inter drew, and then, of course, Roma and Milan won. So both these clubs will be heading into Monday's match in good form to the more informed side since the restart in the summer, really. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. But before we get into the match, I want to talk to David a little bit about Milan so we can get some, uh, you know, better understanding of how the club's been doing since we last spoke to David. In case you um, may have seen in the past, I've had David do some type form interviews, but now since we have the pod, we're having him on live. So David, since the last time we spoke, Milan has been on the, you know, rise, so to speak, but is the mystique really back for Milan? I think it, it's starting to come back. So I would, I would say, you know, we're not, we're not, we're certainly not in the, at the levels where we were previously on the European stage or even on the world stage in terms of, uh, in terms of, of just how big a club we historically were. Um, but I definitely see uh, with the kind of consistency and the kind of smart moves that Milan have been making on the Mercato, um, I, I see the foundation of something that I think could be the long-term project that everybody's kind of been waiting for and hoping for. Um, I think the kind of the biggest issues over the last uh, number of years, you know, I think Berlusconi lost the plot towards the end and the the start of it all was you know letting go of Ibrahimovic and Thiago Silva to to PSG and then all of the all of the senatori that were leaving after that I mean it's you know I probably sound like a broken record I've talked about this so many times but that really was kind of the start of the downfall and then there was never really a serious plan to kind of get things back uh, up to the levels where they had been previously so you know fast forward now I think the downfall that had started with Ibra leaving has now kind of, you know, firmed up that he's back and uh, playing consistently and being a real leader for the team. And, you know, I don't care what anybody says about how old he is. He's actually somebody that whether he's producing or not, he has a a huge impact on how the team plays. He's a, he's a leader. He shows, I think the younger players uh, really what it takes to compete at the highest levels. And uh, I think he's been all around kind of, one of the one of the big reasons that we are where we are today and what do you think the biggest thing in the past a decade or so since Milan really fell off the you know the perch of Serie A what what were the biggest reasons for that downfall besides maybe the senatori being let go by Berlusconi it was I think it was the inconsistency with which the other owners and managers uh you know brought players in I mean they it, it was Galliani's whole thing of bringing in people on on loan with option to buy kind of thing and, you know, players for next to nothing. And, you know, you have too many of those and, and it's, it adds up to nothing basically. And so we had some, 
we had some halfway decent players, but really we were stuck with a full team of mediocre players, like players that, you know, our, our roster now I think is, is, is 10 times as strong as it was even just three or four years ago. So I think, uh, I think they'd come a long way since then. And how big was it for the club this summer? I know there's a lot of Ralph Rognick talk um, coming in to run the team, run the transfer market, but they ended up sticking with uh, Paolo Maldini, club legend, who, from what I've seen in the most recent Mercato, has done a good job bringing guys like Tonali. How big was that for the club to keep a figure like Maldini running the show rather than changing, you know, the front office again? I can't speak for every Milan supporter because I think there are lots of uh, lots of differing opinions on that out there. But I personally was relieved when that decision was made and Ragnick, you know, kind of went on his way. Uh, I, you know, that's not to say that I was the biggest fan of Pioli in the first place. I, I kind of saw him for what he was, kind of a stopgap measure. But you know, with uh, with the end of last season, I think he was able to kind of turn a corner with the team. Uh, they've kind of continued that form after the COVID restart uh, and certainly uh, to the start of this season here. Um, but I think, you know, some of the moves that, that Maldini has made are now starting to, they're starting to, to turn up and they're starting to be different ma- difference makers in the matches here. So I think ultimately, you know, Maldini, I'm not going to say he got the last laugh, but he's certainly on his way to uh, to creating a project that I think is going to have some long-term impact. And I hope, you know, I hope they build it from there. My biggest fear now is that, you know, we're going to start winning. We're going to have some level of success, make it back into the Champions League. And then there might be another ownership change that's going to throw things, you know, into into the mix again. So I, I don't know what's going to happen, but for right now, I'm enjoying this as much as I can. Yeah, in many ways, Roma and Milan have been kind of in the same boat in the last decade. Roma's had a little more success on the field making the Champions League. Um, but in terms of finances, they're in similar situations. They, they both, you know, had ownership changes, trouble with FFP. Um, you know, Milan kept around a legend in Maldini. Roma kind of ran Totti out of town, De Rossi out of town, which is a, a big change. I hopefully under Freakin will change for Roma um, because club legends are important for the image, I think. Um, you know, Maldini's starting to prove that he can handle the job. We'll see what yeah. Roma eventually does with Totti. There has been talks of maybe bringing him back in some role, so we'll see. Um, but definitely, I think Milan seems to be turning the corner, doing things the right way, um, which has led to success on the pitch, at least since the restart after COVID. Um, Milan was one of the best teams after the restart, and they're continuing that into their hot start. They're, you know, four wins to open the season, top of the table. Um, and, you know, they carry that form into the Europa League today, and then they, you know, play uh, Roma, excuse me who's also been one of the better teams since they actually lost to Milan and Napoli during the restart. After that, Roma turned it around under Fonseca. It was a little too little too late to actually make the Champions League, but both these clubs have seemed to be turning around under their manager. So uh, we know Fonseca still has a lot of critics in Rome. Does Pioli still have those same kind of critics in Milan, considering his past reputation for being a caretaker guy? Well, I think I think he's kind of proven with uh, with the record since the restart that uh, you know, he's, the team can't do it alone. The coach plays some part in that, you know, um, but I think he's kind of quieted the critics, at least for now. Um, I think at some point Milan are going to lose and it's going to be important to see how they kind of snap back from it. Uh, I think that they have kind of the, the mental fortitude at this point to, uh, to hopefully bounce back, you know, from, from a future, a forthcoming loss at some point. Um, because nobody can can go undefeated forever, particularly a team like this that I think has its has its challenges. I mean, the, we've won and we've drawn matches, um, 
things haven't been perfect, but they've started winning the matches that I think a couple years ago, they probably wouldn't have won, you know, and those are, those are cheap points that you could have lost. I mean, uh, at the end of Gattuso's tenure, we missed Champions League by one point. And I've, I've said this on a couple different uh, podcasts and in conversations with other, with other supporters. You know, one point is a bad call. It's uh, a missed penalty kick. It's uh, a boneheaded move. It's an amazing save. You know, like those things can, can make the difference uh, for one point. And I think, um, I think that, that kind of, that sort of thing now is, is a little bit different. I think it, back then they would lose a match. You would see it in the body language. They were just, they were broken. You know what I mean? They didn't quite have the spirit that, that they have now. You see, you see players on the pitch now, um, they're fighting for everything. They're, they're leaving it all out there on the pitch. And I think uh, I, I'm very happy with, with what I've seen lately. And I really hope it continues. Yeah. And I think it's, it's important though. That one point is huge. We saw a couple of years ago as Roma supporters, what happened with uh, Robin Olsen and goal. He cost Roma a couple of points here and there through the season and they missed the champions league by not very much. It was the same right. season. I think you guys missed by one point. We were not far behind you. Um, so those, that little play here and there is big. And I think a lot of it has to do with the mentality of the players. Like you guys have a guy like Ibrahimovic back. Roma brought in Pedro, 33 years old. Okay, he might be past his prime, but you could just see the way he carries himself, the way he talks to the media. That mentality is so big. So even though Roma lost a senatory in the you know, form of Kolarov, they gain a guy like Pedro, they have Dzeko. You need those guys with a winning mentality. And I think you know, that's a big point you brought up with Ibrahimovic being back. So you know, it's a tough call because the players and the coaches both affect the matches in different ways. But who's been more important, do you think? Pioli steadying the ship or Zlatan being back? I think it's Zlatan. I mean, Pioli, uh, that's not to take anything away from what Pioli has done, but uh, certainly Zlatan has, has been the most impactful. Uh, I think initially it was about kind of getting that final touch and winning matches. You know what I mean? It, Zlatan's on the pitch. Uh, even if he's not the one that's scoring, he's the one that's able to pull a couple defenders to him to open up some space for somebody else to come in and do do the work like Rebic or Leal when Leal was actually doing some scoring. Um, so I think it started that way, but now you could really tell he's kind of, he's taking younger players kind of under his wing. You see like the picture of him and Brian today hugging at the end of the match uh, that I tweeted out on a uh, Milan club Philly. It's, it's something that, you know, you can tell what he means to the individual players, but also to the team uh, as a group. So I, I think the, the Zlatan effect uh, has had the biggest impact uh, of the two. Yeah, having a veteran striker like that who impacts the game in so many ways is important. We could see it as Roma fans with Edin Dzeko. Mm -hmm. You know, they almost sold him this summer. And one thing I was worried about was how important he is into the overall attack of the team. You know, just this past weekend when Roma scored the five goals on Benevento, he set up a couple goals on the counterattack. He distributes and Zlatan's the same kind of player. You know, guys that are past their prime maybe, but still even at 35 for Dzeko. And I think is he... Zlatan 38, maybe he just turned 39, just turned 39, just and turned 39, still yeah. having an impact on the game. You know, it's not all about the speed for them. It's just being smart, intelligent, skilled players. And, and yeah. they still show that they can have it, but yeah. on the opposite end of the spectrum are some interesting young players in this match. And one of them is Sandro Tonali, who looked like for all intents and purposes was heading to Inter. And, <laughs> you know, being a Milan fan, I'm sure this transfer, besides the fact you get one of Italy's best young midfielders, Right. Took him away right from your rival, you know, under their nose, basically. It looked like he was signed. And then, for whatever reason, Antonio Conte wanted experienced players. So, Inter's loss is Milan's gain. So, how has he fit so far into the rotation? I, I 
I'm not too sure just yet because I haven't, I'm not convinced of, uh, of his performance on Milan so far. I, I was very happy that we got him. I thought uh, for the, for the bit that I I saw him play last year with Brescia, I thought that he had, uh, he had an ability to kind of take control of the, uh, take control of play. You know what I mean? He was one of those players that got out there and I think made a difference on the pitch. Um, he's not really, I don't think he's had enough minutes really to impose himself on the team so far. And I think he's got some stiff competition with, uh, with Benacer and with, uh, with Kessie as well. Um, but I certainly think that, you know, that also gives him the opportunity to kind of grow into the role and even compete for the role too, because I know he's got the talent. Uh, you know, you've seen it with Brescia, you've seen it with the, with the national team. Um, and I think it's just something that with a little bit more time, you know, it, it gives us the depth at the midfield that we've been lacking since Pirlo left, honestly. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, you know, even though he's not the man like he was at Brescia, having that competition is probably good for a player like him because it pushes his game to be better in training. It pushes his game to be better on the pitch to earn his playing time. So Absolutely. it only, it'll only benefit him and Milan and hopefully the Italian national team in the long run. It's a shame, you know, Nicolo Zaniolo is out for this one and for the yeah. foreseeable future, because in my opinion, those are the Italy's two biggest talents right now, I think from a young player perspective. Um, but yeah, it's important. And I, Max Kambula had a quote recently um, after his move to Roma and he said just how much, better he feels like he's getting just from marking Jekyll every mat every day in, mm-hmm. in training. So having, you know, Benacer and Kessie and other guys are like that around him will only make Tonali better. Um, Absolutely. But and I, term- I worry, yep. I'm sorry to interrupt. I, I worry a little bit about, about kind of the depth that we have up front. So I think, uh, you know, what you mentioned with uh, uh, on your end there with Jekyll, I think it was like, I, I look at Ibra and Ibra was out for a little bit, you know, with COVID we're one injury away from, you know, not being able to win matches. You know, I, I don't fully trust Leao. Rebic is a little bit better, uh, you know, and he has stepped up when he's been asked to. Uh, but I think with his injury, I don't even know when uh, when he's back full time. If he was he playing today? Who is that, Leao? Rebic. Rebic. Uh, let me check the box score. I'm not sure, but I understand what you're saying about injuries because, you know, I feel like a lot of teams are like that up front. Rebic, I do not see. No, he did not start. He wasn't on the bench either. And, you know, Roma's the same kind of thing with Dzeko because Dzeko plays so many minutes for them up front. They started Borja Mayoral today, who they recently got um, mm-hmm. from Real Madrid on loan. And apparently he had a very poor, you know, first start for the club. And it just makes you wonder if a guy like Ibra goes down or for Roma, a guy like Dzeko. Right. And then we look across town to Lazio and how Chiro Immobile dependent they are. They They were terrible without him this right. past weekend. So... I think that's the biggest thing right now that separates teams like Juve and maybe Inter from the next set of teams like the, the Romas and the Milans and the Lazios and probably Napoli and Atalanta. Atalanta is, you know, a different animal because they play more of a system. But, you know, I think that's where the difference is with those top two is that depth. And I think Roma and Milan, that's something they'll have to figure out if for, you know, them, you know, if Ibra goes down or if Dzeko goes down, those could be problems for both of our clubs. I think you're right. Absolutely. Um, so who's been the biggest, you know, pleasant surprises so far, maybe on this Milan that maybe you didn't expect to perform so well? I know it's early. It's only been four matches, but. Well, yeah, it's been four matches, but I still count like the restart after COVID as part of our, as part yeah. of our streak. Sure. Um, but I, I have two actually. So Hakan first and foremost, like he's really turned it around and uh, you know, he's scoring goals, he's setting other people up. And I think we're seeing, we're seeing the Hakan that, uh, you know, kind of brought him to fame in the Bundesliga. And I'm, I'm happy to, to see that he's finally 
found his place in this team and he's he's consistently playing at the level that we all well we hope that he could right um and I think the other one for me was a complete surprise because I never expected this but it was Selmaker's uh I mean this guy has been consistent on on the right side there I think um he's young he's fast uh, you know He's not perfect, just like you know, just like I said, the the run of play in in all of our matches, it hasn't been perfect. But you know, he 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 imposes himself on the game. He's he's got some nice passes. I mean, he's he's part of the the play leading up to uh, to some of our great goals over the past couple of weeks. And so I think uh, he's been a huge surprise for me because I really I I knew nothing about him. I didn't expect anything uh, from a production standpoint. And he's he's gone in and he's he's done it. So I think. Uh, Hakan and Selmakris for sure. We have a couple other bright spots uh, that I'm, you know, curious to see more about, but I like what I see so far. I think Brian Diaz has been great. Um, and I hope he's somebody that, you know, we can work it out to have him stick around. And Kessie has just been lighting it up this year. Like I'm, that doesn't surprise me. Um, I feel the, the, the thing that I, I, I want to point out about him though, is he's really kind of come into his own um, and like, he knows his role now, you know, he does what he does and he's been, fantastic for us so I'm, I'm really happy with uh with the way our midfield primarily has been has been operating yeah and players like Hakan and, and Kessie just show that sometimes you know players just need some time to acclimate to a team maybe it's the manager that's in place at the time because you know Hakan and Kessie were you know I think for all intents and purposes underperforming for a while um under the old managers but you know under Pioli they've turned it around I mean Hakan has played very well and if yep. correct me if I'm wrong but weren't they wasn't he kind of like being run out of town last summer and last winter He's you know, always being run out of yeah. town. I mean, it, you know, which social media platform are you yeah. on? It's just it's <laughs> the same thing everywhere. But you know what? He's proven his haters wrong. And, you know, at first, the first couple of matches where he kind of turned it around, it could have been just a flash in the pan, right? It's a, but he's had some consistency now for, you know, since the restart. And I think that, uh, you know, he's he's hopefully here to stay. Yeah. I and would advocate Ke- for him. <laughs> and Kessie, too, for a little bit, looked like he might have been one of those Atalanta guys that went elsewhere and, and didn't live up to his billing, but he's starting to live up to it now under Pioli, so that's a welcome sight, certainly, for Milan. Absolutely. On the opposite end of the spectrum, has anybody been really disappointing since the, the hot streak started over the restart into this season? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on Teo, because I think Teo has been great, uh, at least during the restart, you know, not as much this season, uh, in the new season. Uh, and I say that only because, like, I think, you know, offensively, he's great, uh, but he still has to do – he still has a lot of work to do as a defender. Um, I, the rest of the team, I, I would say, has covered for him, or at least he's produced enough offensively to kind of, you know, make up for the lack of defense. But um, he's one that, you know, I, I really like him, and I want him to succeed, and I, I really hope that he can he can pick up the defensive end of his game because the, the offensive end has been pretty good. Um and the other guy I'm going to pick on a little bit is Leal. I think Leal has an incredible amount of potential. I think Zlatan sees something in him. Uh, you know, the 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 setup for um, for Zlatan that Leal gave him during the during the derby was fantastic. And so I I want to see more of that Leal. You know, I don't think he's uh, I don't I don't think who's the, who's the guy that we had that was uh, kind of. Uh, Oh man, I forget his name now, but I, I, I see the potential in him and I, I, I want him to succeed. And that's why like, I'm going to say that he's, he's someone who's been a bit disappointing so far. Trying nice. to be fair, trying to be yeah. fair. No, you have to be fair. I mean, every, every team, no matter how well they're playing, there's always somebody who's 
you know, underperforming in some way. Um, and before we get into this week's match, um, how big was it? I, I should have mentioned this earlier, but how big was it to finally beat Inter as the quote unquote road team? I know you share a stadium and maybe it's not a full stadium like it normally is, but how big was it to finally get over the hump against Inter and get, get a nice win against, especially after last year when you guys were up 2-1 and ended up losing that match 4-2? I'm sure this one was ex- extra special. It felt, it felt really, really good. It felt really, really good. And, you know, I, I kind of, in, in the last Derby when we were up, I kind of got ahead of myself and started celebrating a little bit too early. So that made the defeat uh, really awful. And I kind of learned my lesson back then. So this time around, you know, we were up by two, uh, two nothing. And then the, the Inter's goal, which, you know, kind of made me a little bit anxious. Uh, the second half was, you know, a nail biter for sure. Uh, but in the end we pulled through and then, and, you know, got the win. And I think that's, you know, it's testament to, to team play. You have individual flashes of brilliance, you know, with Zlatan and everything, but uh, really the team has come together and, you know, they, they can go toe to toe with anybody. Yeah. you're not. From what I saw, it was, it wasn't a pretty match. It was no. a pretty rough and tough match. And uh, Milan stood up to Inter who's, you know, under Conte, that's his, he likes the tough persona and they stood up to it. So you know, kudos to Milan for not backing down to a physical side like Inter yeah. and, and Conte, who's, you know, likes his teams to be physical and just outwork you. So definitely a big win. It, and it, you know, unfortunately for us Romanisti, it, it, you know, leads into a very, you know, I'm sure confident Milan side heading into Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, technically on the pitch, both of these teams are unbeaten, even though Roma got the loss to Verona because of a clerical error. Uh, I don't know if you guys had seen that uh, in the, yeah, in the Milan verse, but uh, <laughs> very silly, silly mistake. Roma should be on eight points instead. They're on seven with a loss. But um, like I said, both of these teams heading into this match with great form, you know, Roma scraped by today, which, you know, considering they played pretty much eight or nine reserves, doesn't worry me that much because they were able to scrape out a win. And in the end results matter, especially in European play. Um, so let's look ahead to Monday's match with both these teams coming in on, on winning yeah. streaks. Um, I think one of the talking points to start is certainly that these clubs approach the Europa League differently. I mentioned earlier, Roma played most of their reserves, not with great success, but on the flip side, they pulled out a win where they only had to play guys like Dzeko, Vertu, Mkhitaryan, uh, Pellegrini, 30 minutes or less. Spinazzo only played a half, and those are guys that do a lot of work for the club on a, a, a week-to-week basis. I know one of my worries with the way this Roma team is set up so far is the fact that Mkhitaryan, Dzeko, and Pedro have been relied on to play almost every minute of every match so far. Um, I know Pedro did start this one. So hopefully the extra rest will be good for some of those, uh, you know, older veteran players who do a lot of the work for Roma up front. Um, We'll see if legs have any influence on this match. Do you think Milan will be at any disadvantage playing their starters for more time? Not yet. uh, Because I mean, this, this stretch in the next coming week of all the Europa league matches and then the, the club matches that we're playing, um, I think they they probably did the right thing by going with most of their starters today because they were going uh, up against Celtic, which in my opinion was the strongest of our opposition in the Europa League. So it made sense to go with that lineup. Um, I think our players are going to be fine. Uh, you know, I'm not too concerned about fatigue, uh, but if we were to play Roma in a couple weeks from now, after we've had, you know, three rounds of Europa League, I think that would have a bigger impact. So, so I'm not necessarily worried about it right now. In a couple of weeks, though, I will I will be concerned when uh, when we play. 
Yeah, and I think that's a good point you made. Uh, you know, playing Celtic was certainly a tougher game than Roma playing Young Boys. Um, Roma's group is much more forgiving, I think, than Milan's with Celtic in that group. Mm-hmm. So they, they could afford to rest players more often in the Europa League, I think. So that's a good point you brought out there. You know, I think if Roma were playing a team on the level of Celtic, they also would have had to play more starters. And being that it is so early in the year, I don't think legs will be that much of an issue. Um, but um, COVID will be more of an issue than yeah, legs, COVID, so. <laughs> COVID probably will. Roma will, as far as I know, is still without Amadou Diawara in the midfield. So the midfield is a little thinner. Um, do you guys have anybody else out with COVID right now? Uh, or are they all clear? Protocol? I'm not sure. I think, I think we're clear. I yeah. think. Don't quote me on that, but I think we are. I'm hoping Diawara will be back. He's been out since the international break and then the young left back Ricardo Calafiori, who probably wouldn't have much of a part to play in this one is out also for Roma. Um, as far as I know, Chris Smalling will also be out for Roma. Uh, he hasn't recovered in time, at least for today's match with his minor knee issue. So even though he made the move back to Roma, he hasn't been uh, part of any of the matches yet. Um, but before we get into Roma, what are you, what are some of your keys for Milan heading into Monday against Roma? So I think for us, uh, the the key to the key to the match is really to score early, um, because I think, especially against a team like Roma, um, that gives us a little bit more of a comfort level going through the remainder of the match. And I think that also is going to tie into, uh, you know, playing our starters again, even though it's not as big an issue as we just discussed. Uh, I think it could certainly play into it. So if we can if we can score early and hold on to a lead, I think that'll help us out. I think if Roma scores first, uh, we're going to have a little more trouble coming from behind. Uh, and again, I, I, I'm curious to see uh, if we do get in a position where we are behind, how the team is going to react. You know, what what's their body language going to be like? How are they going to how are they going to respond to uh, to trying to come back from behind uh, after this run where they've been you know on top of things. Uh, for most of it. So uh, that'll be interesting to see. Definitely score early, hold on to it, and try to try to kill the match as, as quickly as we can. Yeah, I think from a Roman perspective, some of the keys, certainly, um, you know, they played Juve in match day two. You know, heading into that match, one point would have been a welcome sight. By the end of it, we were upset we didn't get three points. Uh, and part of that is because Roma actually took the game to Juve for much of the match. And I think that is what, you know, they have to do against the bigger sides more often. They didn't do that much in Fonseca's first season. They you know, didn't play well against the big sides, which cost them in the table. They would pull out draws, but oftentimes lose, including mm-hmm. the last time they played Milan at a very lackluster performance. So I think coming out with the right mentality is important for Roma, whether they score first or concede first, if they do concede, it's just coming out with the right mentality. When they played Juve, they, you know, scored a penalty, gave a penalty back, but then instantly responded with a go-ahead goal before halftime. And that's something we haven't seen from Roma against big clubs in the past, especially under Fonseca so far. So I think that's important. And then just putting more shots on target and taking their opportunities. It took them to the 41st minute to get a shot on goal today against young boys. Mm-hmm. Granted, they didn't have any of their main attacking players besides Pedro playing, but just taking opportunities is something we often talk about here for Roma. They finally did it against Benevento scoring five on, on Sunday, uh, different level uh, opposition, obviously with Milan uh, going to have to break down a better defense, but Roma has to do more with the ball when they have it. Um, cause I wouldn't be surprised if they lose the possession battle in this one that sometimes on the road, they do tend to concede possession to bigger sides. Um, but after talking about the keys, let's talk about some of the individual matchups. One I had highlighted is a player you picked on was Taylor Hernandez. Um, yeah. so I think what it's going to be interesting to see which direction Fonseca goes with Roma's right wing back. If they do go with the three, four, two, one, 
because lately we've seen in league play uh, from a Roman perspective, they go on with Davide, Davide Santone, who's more of a defensive player at this point in his career, who will sit tight a little bit more and defend better. So that can negate Hernandez's uh, impact coming forward a little bit. But on the, uh, on the up opposite end of the spectrum, he could possibly go Bruno Perez, who scored today, who's more likely to bomb forward, doesn't defend as well. He's almost like a clone of Hernandez, where he just likes to attack, 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 and not defend. So uh, I'm curious to see where, uh, you know, Fonseca goes with that. From a Milan perspective, knowing, the way, knowing Hernandez's game, what kind of fullback would you rather see him going up against? Uh, I think I would rather see... Hernandez going up again. Well, you know what? I think the difference maker here is going to be Romagnoli back and some more time under his belt now uh, since he's come back from injury. So the, the Derby was his first match back. And I may have a little bit less to worry about if at least Romagnoli's covering Teo's runs up the pitch. Um, so in that sense, I would probably rather see Roma, um, I would say attacking the left side because then that, le- excuse me, the, the right side, because then that leaves uh, that leaves Teo a little bit of opportunity to to move up and and impose on the on the offense as he does. Um, so I think you know we kind of have the luxury of looking at at the players holistically spread out with Romagnoli back, and I think uh, having a having a more uh, a more solid defensive center defensive role than uh, who was it that filled in for him Gabia while while Gabbia, he was out. Think, yeah. yeah, so I think that that helps us out. And I think on, on the other side, you know, with um, Calabria has really kind of picked up his, his game. He was, uh, he was hitting a rough patch last season for a while, but since the restart and since, uh, you know, with the new season, I think Calabria has really stepped it up and has done a great job. And uh, Selmakers, again, you know, on, on that right side, it's looking pretty good for me. Yeah, and that, that'll be interesting because uh, on our side, Spinazzola, who's been playing left wing back for most of the restart and now with Kolarov going as the full-time left wing back, He's been one of our best players, especially going forward. Roma likes to attack through the left with him. And uh, he's been a nightmare for opposing fullbacks uh, with his speed and, you know, his ability to put in crosses. So the two wings, I think, will definitely be important. Of course, you know, both teams have veteran strikers. I think Ibrahimovic going up against what will likely be a young Roma defensive trio with Kambula, Ibanez, and Mancini will be uh, interesting. Uh, They played well when they played against Juve for the most part. They did concede... uh, to Ronaldo, a, a penalty, and then a nice header. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but they've held their own for the most part. I think it'll be interesting to see how they match up against a, a veteran striker like Ibrahimovic, who knows how to, you know, play smart, but is also physically imposing, you know, can score some of the best goals you'll see scored. Um, so I think that'll be a big test for Roma's back line, um, yeah. you know, and I think the midfield is certainly going to have to help there. Um, you know, Milan could probably feel more confident in the back against Jekyll with Romagnoli and Kyer there now one of our old friends from uh, back early in the American <laughs> he's fantastic. Era. You know what? He's, I, I think he's, he's great. And I, I haven't spoken about him yet uh, in the podcast here, but I, I think, uh, you know, he really has made an impact since joining us. And uh, I, it's, I, I feel pretty secure, you know, a little shaky at, at, at first, but you know, he's really kind of gotten the lay of the land and, you know, has partnered up with anybody really with Romagnoli, with Gabia, anybody else that they were able to put back there. And, uh, Kyar has been has been phenomenal. Yeah, at a bargain, uh, you know, price yeah, exactly. too. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, another yep. good piece of business for Milan there. You know, and, and a veteran, and a veteran, yep. and somebody who's a serious player as captain of the Dutch, uh, the Danish national team, and everything. I think that that speaks volumes. So. 
Yeah, he's, he's lived up to the potential we saw at Palermo, which, you know, prompted Roma to buy him in the first place before he went, you know, abroad. Um, mm-hmm. And he's turned into a solid veteran player. Um, you know, so, you know, solid veterans, Mirante in goal for Roma, Donnarumma on the other side for Milan, who is now the starter for the national team, I think will be the goalies. But uh, the midfield could be an important matchup too, because one of Milan's strengths, I would say, is probably the midfield with Benacer. Uh, Chalunogu is more of the uh, attacking player. And mm-hmm. then you have... Um, Kessie, who's been playing well, um, you know, that's going to be an interesting matchup. I think, you know, Vertu is a given for Roma. He's the engine in the midfield. But I'm curious to see where Fonseca goes with his partner if they go with the 3-4-2-1 because he started to play Pellegrini a little deeper lately uh, to leave the attacking roles to Pedro Mkhitaryan, which I think he'll lean toward again, especially with D.O.R. out. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how Pellegrini matches up with physical players like Benacer and Kessie in the midfield. Um, because he's not the most defensive-minded player, Pellegrini. What do you see the midfield battle? Um, I, 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 be honest with you, Steve. I can't get into that level of detail about it, just because I, I don't know. I don't know enough about Roma to make the comparison. But I think certainly, uh, I'm looking for I'm looking for Kessie to control play. I'm looking for uh, for Benacer really to uh, kind of make things make things happen and, and create. Um, but I think you know I. I we're we're like I said before we're in a much better position now than we were uh, even just a couple months ago and uh, I think the the midfield is turning into uh, turning into probably one of our greatest assets yeah it seems that way from an out, outsider's perspective that is one of Milan's strengths and that's where Roma's going to have to really hunker down and, and try to you know at least not let Milan control the midfield um, so speaking of the last couple of months the last time these teams met was you know early in the restart I believe back in July it was a pretty lackluster game for the most part. Milan ended up winning 2 nothing on some late Roma mistakes. Um, neither team played very well from what I remember. So, we, you know, on paper, this one should be a lot better this time around with the form these teams are in. Um, so before we wrap up, any uh, predictions on the score and the scores for this one? 7-1 Milan. <laughs> We're going to mop the floor with you guys. Uh, we don't want a Manchester United repeat from back in the day. <laughs> uh, we've seen seven goals too many times in Rome on the wrong end. Um, but so, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Seriously. Yeah. Two, nothing. Two, two nothing. nothing. You guys are out of here. We're, we're, we're steamrolling. <laughs> any, any projected scores or who you'd like to see score in a two, nothing. Uh, I would love to see Zlatan score again. And you know what, because I, I picked on him, I want to see Leao score as well. I want to see him step it up. I'll go, uh, I'll go two, one Roma. I'm going to be optimistic here going into the San Siro. I'm going to go with, uh, Jekko's been in good form. I'll go with the Jekko goal and a, uh, go with Mkhitaryan and Ibra scoring for, for Milan because I think he's gonna be a tough matchup for us but um Dave it was great having you on before we uh let you go where can we find you on social media I know you guys usually do meetups I know with COVID you can't do the meetups anymore but tell us a little bit about Milan Club Philadelphia absolutely so yeah thank you for having me Steve this is always uh always a lot of fun uh and now that we're family it's even it's even more fun because we can continue this conversation at the holidays um so we you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at at Milan Club Philly uh, we're also on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Milan Club Philly. Uh, we get together well, when when times permit, uh, we would get together at Grand Cafe Laquila. They've been a great supporter of us. And uh, uh, as you know, Gijo and, uh, is vice president of the Roma Club in Philadelphia. Great guy, great friend. And uh, so shout out to him and shout out to Azuri fan Phil and his Napoli Club Philly as well. We have a great scene here in Philadelphia. Uh, when times permit, if any of your listeners find themselves in Philadelphia, 
uh, don't hesitate to reach out. We'd love to meet new people. doesn't matter what team you support. Uh, we get along with everyone and, uh, you know, it's one great Caltro community that we have here. So, uh, we welcome everyone to join us and, uh, you know, thanks again for, for having me. Yeah. I was, I was trying to get down there in the spring for the, 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 the past season, but that match got postponed and now, you know, hopefully yeah. this coming spring, maybe things will be better. Maybe we could get down there for a, a match for Roma Milan. Um, but thanks again, Dave, for coming on. Uh, thank you to all our listeners. Uh, remember you can subscribe on, uh, all the major podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, and uh, come back next uh, next episode for a wrap-up of the Milan-Roma uh, game. Hopefully we'll have a Roma victory. If not, David will be having the last laugh. But thanks again, David, and I'll, we'll talk <laughs> to you guys later. Thanks so much. Cheers. Cheers.